Well, good morning. Welcome to Riverside. Uh, we are so glad you're here. If it's your first time with us, please know we're so happy you're here. Pardon our uh, mess in the lobby if you walked in this morning. And if you come every week, you notice there's a difference. If it's your first time, you notice things are kind of under construction. We apologize for that. But we are doing some renovations out there. And uh, in just a few short weeks, we'll be opening uh, what we're going to call an at-home center. And so be looking forward to that as we kind of move, move closer into April. Uh, we'll launch a new series in April around the idea of the family. And part of that is launching this resource center for our families. And so we're excited about that. And so I hope you're liking what you're seeing. Uh, personally, I love it. And I'm really excited about uh, the direction and, and the work. And there are so many volunteers. If you've been up here volunteering, uh, whether you've been painting or nailing or whatever you're doing, sanding, uh, standing boards, I hope you know how much we appreciate you. And if you'd like to help, uh, come find me or find somebody and we'll, we'll tell you how to get involved. There's more work to be done. And we love all the, all the servant hearts in the room, the way people are serving in that way. It's, a, it's an exciting time. And it's, a, it's exciting to see some of those, those uh, positive things happening uh, out there. We're glad you're here today. Today, we're starting a new series uh, called Let Hope Arise. And as you know, as DJ mentioned earlier, we're kind of marching towards Easter here. It's hard to believe it's March, isn't it? It's hard to believe that it was 80 degrees yesterday. It's hard to believe my kids were in the swimming pool yesterday. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? The weather's been incredible. Easter's around the corner. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, a really, it's a really neat time of year, and we're looking forward to that. And so part of that is talking about this idea of hope. And I hope, I hope you sense it, that there is hope rising that there is hope on the way. And I know for a lot of people, when you walk in the room, you may not feel that way today. I hope by the time you leave, you have a sense. You have a sense that there is hope and that it is on the way and that it is rising. Um, confession time. I don't know if you remember this, uh, like in your early days, especially if you're in the room and, and, you, and you've been married or you are married or you remember the day when you got married. Um, I kind of went into marriage with a list of unspoken expectations, okay? So I'll confess that out loud. Maybe you did the same thing. I did it really unknowingly. I didn't have it registered in my brain. This is what I was doing, but I just did this because I'm human and I'm a guy and I'm not very smart. And so, well, I can still remember, uh, you know, Alicia and I have a beautiful wedding. It's a gorgeous day in, 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 in the middle of August. Uh, we go off for a vacation, the honeymoon, we get back, uh, we're getting ready to start life, we move into our one-bedroom apartment, and then the day arrives where I, I have to go to work for the first time as us as a, being a married couple. And uh, Alicia is going to be home all day, and, and so, you know, I have a certain idea about what that entails, but I, I'm not going there, I'm just, I got to go do my thing at work. And so I go, and I'm bringing home the bacon, so I'm working hard all day, eight to five, doing the job, you know, and, uh, and really excited to do that. And when I get home, it's been a long day, and, and my sweet wife, my beautiful bride, they were newlyweds, she's been home all day. She doesn't have a, a job yet. In fact, she's finishing up some school, and so it's one of those days where she's been home all day. And so I just have it in the back of my subconscious that, of course, what she spent her entire day doing is... The cleaning, the laundry, the making the home, uh, the house a home and, and, and preparing dinner. And, and I get home and I walk in the door and she's sitting there on the couch uh, watching TV. Something apparently she'd done all day long. And <laughs> if any of you want to invite me to lunch today or maybe your house tonight, I would appreciate a place to sleep. Uh, and I look at her and I say, hey, uh, what's for dinner? And she looks at me like, I don't know. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, yeah. And so, uh, 
I, I had some really uh, unspoken and unrealistic expectations of the husband-wife relationship from the very moment uh, our marriage began. I'm happy to report we're still married, at least uh, to right now. There <laughs> may be some news later today. Um, uh, and I'm also happy to sh- announce that I share most of the cooking duties in our home, and I love doing that. And, and we work through that, but I think that story is true of a lot of us, uh, isn't it? We have in the back of our minds... Uh, this, this, op, this, this, this operation, this OS on our hard drives, it's always working of uh, these lists of expectations uh, that may be largely unspoken, but boy, oh boy, when they go unmet, there is friction in us. There is tension in us. In fact, if you, if you think about it, this may not be, always be the case, but if you think about it, if you think about the source of some of your um, deepest frustrations, especially with people or with life in general, I would be willing to bet that at the root of that, at the base of that, at the foundation of that is an unmet expectation. This happens all the time. Uh, th- in fact, in a very fundamental way, this is why babies cry, isn't it? I remember when Alicia and I were raising our kids, we had three kids at one time at the age of five and under, and somebody was always crying. And, and the reason babies cry, if, you, if you've been around babies at all, you know this, the reason babies cry is because almost instantaneously they have a need And at the same moment in time, the same exact moment in time, that need is not being fulfilled or met. And so it takes some wise adult, almost always the mom, sometimes the dad gets lucky, uh, to come over and to figure out what that baby needs and to meet that expectation. And when it's resolved, they're quiet and they're calm again. And you would like to think, at least I would, that as we get older and we move into adulthood, Uh, this behavior would change, but it doesn't. Because for us, whenever we have those same kinds of unmet expectations, we kind of act out, don't we? If you're being honest, I know I do. I'll speak for myself. When things don't work out the way I think they should, what I do is I, I mean, I don't like cry like a baby, but I I mean, yeah, I act out. We all do. This happens. This happens for this happens for us in every level and every facet of life. It happens at work because you got to work and you had an idea about how things were going to go in your job and in your work. And maybe maybe your work isn't being recognized like you thought it should be, or maybe your employer isn't noticing all the hard work you're doing, or maybe your employees aren't aren't following your lead and doing what you wish that they would do. And what happens in our work life is that sometimes we get frustrated because we have these expectations and they may be unspoken expectations, but people aren't living up to them. And it's so frustrating. Some of you are getting anxious as I talk. This happens in our marriages, not just who's cooking dinner, but you had that day, that beautiful day when you said, I do. And she said, I do. And you promised that you would love each other in sickness and health for better or worse, richer or poor, till death do you part. And for some reason right now, that expectation, it's gone unmet. Because you thought that he would do that and she thought he would do this and they didn't do what you thought they should have. And man, it gets really hard really fast. But it even happens, doesn't it? It happens in church. It happens here. Because you have certain expectations of people in this room. And when they don't live up to those things that you think they should do, and maybe they've never even been spoken, they may not even be realistic if you could think logically about it. But, but when those expectations go unmet, what happens is you get frustrated. And I get frustrated because we think people should work and operate and do certain things. And when they don't, when those expectations go unmet, wow, the tension gets ratcheted up. But if we're honest, and this is where it gets really, really, really tricky. 
But if you can be honest with me, this happens with God too. Because if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, then you have probably figured out by now that following Jesus doesn't mean that your problems go away. And following Jesus doesn't mean that you're going to have health and you're going to have wealth. And you may have health and you may have wealth, but following Jesus doesn't promise you're going to have that tomorrow. It can be gone in a flash. Because following Jesus often means walking into and walking through some very difficult things. In fact, sometimes life is downright hard and you've probably prayed like I've prayed more than once, where are you, God? Because you had certain expectations that day you gave your life to Jesus. And you may not say this, but you've probably thought this because the truth is following Jesus can sometimes be disappointing. Because much to our regret, he doesn't always do what we think he should do, when we think he should do it, and how we think he should do it. And boy, oh boy, that's hard. And that's frustrating. And, it, and it, sometimes it even shakes our faith in him. But I think that on some level, this has always been true of the people of God. Always been true. Even in the days of Jesus, when he walked the planet, this was sort of the tension in the air. That there was this people and they were, they were the people of God. And there was a time when they were a great nation, but now wasn't one of those times because now, once again, they're living under occupation and oppression by this Roman system, <laughs> this Roman world order. Taxation is high, life is hard, brutality is real. You don't know what's going to happen the next day or the next. But, but for the faithful few, there is this glimmer of hope because there was this talk, this speak. The rabbi said it, that there was a Messiah who would come and again deliver his people. And so even though the story of the people of God has always been one of unmet expectation because there's always this frustration because things aren't exactly as they wish they would be, there's still hope that maybe one day they will be because there's this talk. There's this promise of this Messiah. And so there is, and there is a glimmer of hope. And some people you talk to them and, and maybe they're thinking, maybe, just maybe God will send somebody, maybe again like Moses. Because Moses came when, when our people lived under Egyptian rule and Moses went to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. And eventually he did. And we were sent on our way and we were free at last. Or maybe, just maybe, God will send us another Messiah. Maybe somebody like David. Maybe, maybe a king. Maybe someone who can slay Goliath. Maybe someone who can wield a sword and be a conquering king and hero. Maybe, just maybe, God will send us someone like that. And he'll set us free from our current oppressors. Or maybe, oh, this will be cool. You remember that guy Elijah, an incredible prophet of God? There's this one story where he's on a mountain with all these prophets of Baal. And he literally calls down fire from heaven. And it comes. It's an awesome moment. Maybe, maybe God will send somebody like that again to, 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 to lead us and to deliver us. Oh, maybe, just maybe. There's a glimmer of hope in her Jesus. Jesus is the son of some no-name carpenter from some no-name town called Nazareth. And he's got an unruly band of disciples 
that weren't disciples until Jesus showed up and told them to stop fishing and come do this instead. Kind of a weird way to get those disciples, not the norm. And, and there's a little bit of noise because even though this isn't what we expected, I mean, this guy, he's, he's saying things we, we've never heard and, and he's saying them in a way we've never heard. And he's challenging the religious leaders, which is weird, but, but he's doing it and he's taken up for the poor and the oppressed and he's doing things that we just can't explain. I mean, there's miracles and, and we can't explain it any other way. And so people are beginning to talk about this guy named Jesus. And could this be maybe who we're expecting? In fact, so many people are asking questions because there's so much that he's doing that's unexplainable that he's kind of getting a band of followers to come around him. And, and as we come up to the story we're going to read today, he's already fed 5,000 people with basically what amounts to a happy meal. Okay, this was an incredible miracle, you know. He's already healed some sick people. He's already even raised a dead person. He's doing things that we can't explain. And we don't know what's going on, but there's a movement forming around this man named Jesus and it all hinges around one word, hope. Could, could he be? Could this be? Is this the one we've been looking for? So if you have your Bibles, or if you have your Bible app, or however you look it up, if you want to turn with me to Luke 9, there's a few verses I want us to look at. One little short story I want us to think about this morning. In Luke 9, we'll start in verse 18. And at this point in the story, like I said, Jesus has already done a lot of cool things. And there's a lot of people gathering around him thinking, maybe, just maybe, this is somebody we can can put our hope in. And then Luke says this in chapter 9 verse 18 he says one day Jesus left the crowds a lot of people he left the crowds to pray alone and if you underline or you highlight in your bible you may want to underline just that one part of that verse and we talked about this last week didn't we that even Jesus withdrew to lonely places to pray that even Jesus took time to be before God and I want to ask you maybe we talked about this last week The challenge was to take some time this past week to to just be before God, to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I hope you've done that. But here, Jesus, that's what he's doing. He's withdrawing from the crowds to pray alone to his father. And then it says this, only his disciples were with him. And so he asked him, he asked him this question. This is a great question. He asked him, who do people say that I am? Now, I think this is a great question. But I also think that Jesus is doing what any good teacher would do, doing what any good leader would do, doing what any good, good, you know, rabbi would do. He's kind of asking a question before the question. Like there's another question that's coming next. But before we get to that question, let me just throw up a softball to you. See if you can answer this one. Who do the people that you're hearing and that you're around, who do they say that I am? These crowds that we just left, what are they saying about me? Who do they say that I am? Do you think Jesus knew the answer to this question? Probably so. He probably already knew. But he wanted to ask them to get them talking to see what they would say and how they would respond. And this is what they said, verse 19. Well, they replied, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say you're one of the other ancient prophets risen from the dead. Now, wouldn't this be cool? Wouldn't this be cool if Jesus 
was John the Baptist. If you don't know the story, John the Baptist was kind of a, a forerunner to Jesus. He was kind of that prophet, prophetic voice out in the wilderness saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he was doing things no one had ever seen done before. And all of a sudden, he's attracting crowds, but he was kind of a threat to Herod a little bit. And Herod had him killed. The king had him killed for personal reasons, basically. What if, what if God raised him back up from the dead to lead us. How amazing and cool would that be? Or maybe, just maybe, he is this fiery prophet named Elijah. Maybe God brought him back and he's going to use him to lead us or some other ancient prophet. We don't know exactly who he is, but there's hope. There's hope that he's somebody. There's hope that he's from God. And there's hope that he's going to be this next leader that's going to deliver us and lead us. But that was just the question before the question because verse 20 comes. And Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Not, not what do the crowd say, but you. You've been with me. You've seen more than anyone else has seen. You've heard more than anyone else has heard. You've walked with me. You've, you've slept at night by my side when the campfire dies out. You've woken early in the morning with me. You've prayed with me. You've traveled with me. You've journeyed with me. You know me better than anyone else knows me. So I just got to ask you, who do you say that I am? And good old Peter speaks up. Peter replied, you are the Messiah sent from God. You are the Messiah. That word Messiah, we just sang it a minute ago, but what does that word even mean? Messiah is an old Hebrew word meaning anointed one. And sometimes you'll hear us call Jesus the Christ, the same word in Greek, the anointed one. This is the promised one. This is the one who is going to come. But I wonder, and this is what I want you to think about for a minute. I wonder, what did Peter have in mind when he said, you're the Messiah sent from God? What did Peter mean by that? What was Peter hoping in that? What was Peter expecting out of that? Was Peter hoping what a lot of people hoped? That here was Jesus, the Messiah, sent from God, who was ready to lead a revolution. Who was ready to retake the throne. Who was ready to reestablish the sovereign nation. Who was ready to once again restore the people of God to their former prominence and glory. Is this what Peter had in mind? And then... Maybe even a better question is, what did Jesus have in mind? As the Messiah, what did Jesus have in mind? What did that word mean to him? What did the weight of that word mean to him? The cool thing is I think Luke gives us a little bit of a clue. If you keep reading down, you come to this verse, verse 51. And Luke says this about Jesus. He says, as the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven. So Luke is already looking ahead to the end of the story. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. You see, what Jesus had in mind as the Messiah, I mean, it wasn't to lead a revolution like they'd ever seen. It wasn't, it wasn't to set these people free in this moment at this time. Jesus, in so many ways, wasn't he? He was, he was such an unlikely Messiah 
with an impossible plan because his plan wasn't to set his, his, his face towards a throne in Jerusalem. His plan was to resolutely set his face towards Jerusalem where a cross was waiting for him. And the plan was that on the other side of that cross was something no one could comprehend because on the other side of that cross was hope. And it was hope It was hope like the world had never seen. Because it wasn't hope for freedom in a moment from from an oppressor. It wasn't wasn't hope for a certain people in a certain place in a certain time. It was hope for all people, for all time, for every tribe, for every nation, even for you and for me. And Jesus sets his face resolutely towards Jerusalem, towards suffering, towards the cross. And again, if you've been a follower of Jesus for any amount of time, then you've probably seen this happen in your own life. That what Jesus does so often is he walks right into the middle of the mess. He walks right into the tension of the story. He walks right into the center of the chaos. He walks right into the middle of the crisis because it's there that the gospel unfolds. It's in the middle of the mess when Jesus comes in in his life and ministry, that he brings about help and hope and healing. It's in the middle of the chaos. It's in the middle of of the frenetic activity of the moment that Jesus steps into the the middle of it all. And the gospel unfolds because Jesus is always making all things right and making all things new. And so I wonder for you and for me, I think we have to ask the same question. Like, for a lot of us, if you're like me, if, if, you've, if you've claimed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as you claimed him, if you claimed him as Messiah, like, what were you expecting in that moment? What were you hoping for in that moment? You see, I, I, I think, like, practically how it works out is that we literally, in that moment, are, are hoping for the salvation of our souls and then we're going to pray to him before meals. And then when crisis hits, we're going to come running. And we, we almost tend to treat Messiah Jesus as if he's some kind of genie in a bottle there to grant our wishes when, when trouble hits. And I wonder, I just wonder, have we misunderstood Have we been looking for Jesus to be a different kind of Messiah? And have we misunderstood who he is and why he came and what he's wanting to do right now in the middle of our lives? Because I would wager this guess that that if you're wondering why you haven't experienced the power of the Spirit of God in your life, if you're wondering why you haven't experienced the life change that maybe you thought you would have if you, were, if you became a follower of Jesus, if you wonder why, why you're not experiencing this, these kind of gospel moments where all things are being made right and all things are made, being, made right, being made new in your life and in your family and in your world, I, I, I would guess it's because when it comes to setting your face towards your own suffering, towards your own cross, towards your own Jerusalem, if you're like me, more often than not, you go the other way or you try to get around it or you pray for God to deliver you from it or maybe even better for him to just remove it. And so what we do is we don't get to participate in the life and ministry of Jesus because we don't ever get to the middle of the mess because we don't want to. 
We're praying for a life of safety and security. We're praying that, that, that God would keep us from all harm. And we pray that when hard times come, that, that, that somehow we can escape that. And Jesus says, no, I want to go right into it. I'm going to set my face towards the tension. I'm going to set my face towards Jerusalem. I'm going to walk right in to where the cross is because it's there. It's on that hill where there is hope. It's on that mountain. Where the life and ministry of Jesus, where the gospel of Jesus Christ breaks through. And if you're not experiencing the hope and the healing and the power of the message of Jesus, the power of the gospel in your life, I want to ask you, what is it that you're avoiding? What is it you're scared of? Because the thing I know about those that follow Jesus, and this is not always true of me, this is something I want to be true of me and something I want to be true of you, and I've seen it true in others. But in those people that I look up to that, that are passionate followers of Jesus, they live in a place without fear. They're not worried. They're not concerned. Yeah, the world's a mess right now. It's a hot mess. Things are getting out of control. But there is a God. And he's always been faithful. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is unchanging. And when all is said and done, he will be seated on his throne. And he's going to work out everything. So you have no need to worry. What can man do to you? Take your life. Come on. Is that the best you got? Eternity hangs in the balance for those who call themselves the sons and daughters of God. And our calling as those who claim to be followers of Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the holy one, the one sent from God, is to follow him right into the middle of the mess. Because it's there that the gospel breaks through. And it's there that we participate in the life and ministry of Jesus. It's there that he begins to make all things right and all things new. Because here's the promise. The promise of following Jesus isn't the promise that if you claim him as your Lord and Savior and you choose to follow him, that he's going to keep you safe from all harm and alarm. It's not that he's going to protect you from all the bad things that might could possibly come your way. The promise is that you will never walk alone. It's so much better. The promise is that he's already been there. He goes before you. And he's willing to walk with you right into it, right through it. His promise is to deliver you. His promise is to part the waters and to walk right with you through whatever it is that's coming your way. And his promise is to be faithful. His promise is to be faithful. And so today, what I want to challenge you with is what is it in your life right now? What is it coming up this week that you have just been avoiding? But maybe Jesus, maybe just maybe Jesus is calling you to walk right into that. And maybe if you just had a little more trust, a little more faith, a little more hope, maybe just maybe what he would do in you and with you and through you in that moment is more, immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. And you've been praying for him to deliver you from it, but what he's asking you to do is walk right through it. And here's the thing is, is that his promise is true. And, and, and I want to say this because I know, I know if you're like me, this is how you feel. Sometimes you feel like God is far from you. 
Sometimes you feel like you don't know where he is. Sometimes you don't feel like he's near. And sometimes you pray and you, you feel like you're praying to that brick wall over there. You feel like your prayers aren't being heard. They hit a ceiling and they drop to the ground. You feel like God is nowhere to be seen because you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you haven't heard an answer. But that, I get it. That's how you feel. But the promise of God isn't a feeling. The promise of God is a fact. And his presence in your life isn't a feeling. The, presence, uh, the promise is that his presence is a fact. And I want you to know that you know that you know that in your heart of hearts, his promise is true that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And that on the other side of that cross, on the other side of your Jerusalem, whatever it is you need to walk with him through, there is hope on the other side. There is hope on the other side. Here's the deal. As the people of God, as the followers of Jesus, as those who claim him as Lord and Savior. Here, here, here's, the, here's the whole deal. Here's the whole deal. His promise is true. And you never, ever, ever have to worry about walking alone because he'll be with you. He'll be with you. And because he's with you, there is hope. Because he is with you, there is hope. Because we know how the story ends. God wins. The story always ends in resurrection. The story always ends with hope. And your story ends with hope too. Church, if you would stand with me. We read this, these words a moment ago and I want to read them again to you. Because the Hebrew writer said it this way. So then since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, who is Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. If we believe Jesus is who he says he is, it literally changes everything. If we believe Jesus is who he says he is, it literally changes everything. And this morning, I want to ask our elders and their wives to make their way around the room. This morning, if you're in a place where you feel hopeless, I don't want you to leave that way. I get it. I know what it feels like. But you don't have to leave that way today. Because our God is a God of hope. Our God is a God that is making all things right. And it may not feel like that in the moment, but there is a place and there is a day coming and sometimes we get to experience it now and sometimes it's gonna be something we experience later. But there is a day and there is a day coming when all things will be made right and all things will be made new. And I want you to have hope that that is true. That this is a truth you can take to the bank. That Jesus is good on his word and that he's gonna make all things right. He's gonna make all things new. And there is a day, there is a day coming. Hope is rising. Hope is rising. Let hope arise. And if you need prayer this morning, I want you to, to gravitate towards the edges. And I've even asked our elders to feel free to even just go to someone near to them and pray if they want to. Because we do, as DJ said earlier, we, we want to be a place of prayer. But I also want to say this. There are some people here, and I'll end with this, who, who you need to answer the question for yourself. I mean, Jesus is asking the same question right now, isn't he? Who do you say I am? And for some of us, we need to make that, that declaration. We believe Jesus is exactly who he says he is. And if you want to do that today, man, we'd love to pray with you too.
We'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to, 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 to share with you what we think about baptism and about becoming a son, a daughter of God, about what it means to participate in the body of Christ. It's an awesome thing. But as we go from this day, let's remember that hope is rising. On the other side of that hill, there is hope. On the other side of that cross, there's a new day dawning. Let hope arise. Let hope arise. And remember, you never, ever, when you walk with Jesus, you never walk alone. Let's sing.